Hi, everyone, and welcome to day three of the Global Supply Chain Summit. I'm excited to spend this fireside chat with the one and only Caitlin Murphy. She's the founder and CEO of Global Gateway Logistics and actually was recently chosen by the governor of Missouri to join the state's supply chain task force. So who better to have to talk about uh, this topic and then join us for this summit today? Uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Grace. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, about six months ago, we had a really great chat where you really updated us on the state of the ports and, and how you're working with small and medium-sized businesses to make sure that they're, you know, clearly getting their goods in on time and, and dealing with the turbulence that we're recently seeing. Um, has, has that recently gotten better? What would be your most recent update of the port situation and are there any ports that are faring better than others that you're seeing? Well, in that time, Grace, it's gone from bad to worse, back to bad. Um, you know, I think it's it's sort of interesting because a lot of people are saying, oh, there's only 77 vessels waiting to birth in, in L.A. But the reality is, you know, there really shouldn't be any um, in a perfect world. And those 70 plus that are still sitting outside, they're causing it complete havoc for importers and exporters um, in the country. And then on the West Coast, for West Coast ports like Seattle and Oakland, um, they seem to be faring a little bit better with dwell time, equipment and carrier capacity, and then the terminal issues that are going hand in hand with it. Um, and as far as East Coast and Gulf region, luckily there hasn't been as much disruption um, to what we're seeing in Los Angeles. However, there are still pockets of congestion um, that happen throughout annual peak seasons. Um, for instance, right now with what's going on in Charleston, I, I believe there's around 20 vessels there that are dwelling and, and waiting, and they're expecting that not to be cleared until sometime in mid-March. Um, it's such an interconnected problem because those vessels that are sitting um, at outside of the terminals they're sitting because the terminals have no room to unload new containers as the containers from previous vessels are still sitting there due to lack of available carriers. Um, there's lack of equipment such as chassis and carriers now drayage carriers are getting booked out weeks in advance at ports for drayage and transloading. And I think gone are the days of, of trying to arrange drayage and transloading the day a container's released from the vessel, which used to be you know, par for the course um, pre pre pandemic, um, and so I fear that many of the containers sitting at a lot of these ports are still having that issue. The, they don't have drayage carriers to grab them. There's a lack of equipment. Um, just different issues that that pertain to that. That's kind of um, creating that sort of domino effect, which ultimately leads out to the vessels that are sitting out um, in the in the nearby ports. So yeah, definitely uh, just as worse, just as bad if, if anything worse. Um, <laughs> let's pretend it's a magical world where there's no port congestion, no issues, things are working as as they should. Uh, when you're working with consumer packaged good customers, what are you looking for, and how are you helping them route their global shipments? Is there any like certain conditionals that come with booking that type of, of product or those for those type of customers? Sure. 
You know, I, I will say every single commodity has stipulation. And I love this question because it's rare that people will ask, well, what are the conditions to, to ship um, this type of commodity? Um, and usually with consumer products, they are closely tied to purchase orders. Um, so for instance, these companies need to adhere to certain dates that they give to their customers and retailers and warehouses. So if you have a small business that's selling hammers to somewhere like Home Depot, they're usually adhering to a purchase order with Home Depot that says your goods need to be in our distribution center by this particular date. And this is the cost that the freight cost that we're signing into um, with it. And so, you know, with CPG commodities and, and the companies, we really want to take peel back a, a layer before anything ever ships. So we want to first make sure what are the dates, um, what are the deadlines, what type of, um, how is your packaging? So for instance, what type of container are you typically using? And is it the best? I mean, at Global Gateway uh, Logistics, we've, we've come across many, many companies, um, specifically in the consumer goods products, where their packaging was a complete mess. And because no one ever gave them sort of the best practices or here's what you should do to um, essentially create an economy of scale with your shipping cost by the packaging and by the container utilization. So whether it's going with a 45 foot container instead of a 40 foot high cube, um, we do look at all of that, the total volume, and then a, a huge thing, which is very pertinent um, in, in today's supply chain as, as ports get congested and as, as rail has no longer really been a, a strong option for any um, CPG companies importing to the Midwest, transloading is such a requirement. And what most people don't realize is a lot of different types of consumer goods products, they'll ship in the cartons, in loose cartons and containers and so what makes it really difficult is now you're, you're seeing this huge increase in uh, demand for transloading, specifically in the LA and, and West Coast region. Well, what's happening now is transloaders are just completely rejecting freight that is not uh, palletized, and that can't quickly be pulled off of a container with a forklift. And so, you know, we actually want to make sure that those check, those boxes are checked with these companies prior to ever booking an ocean freight shipment with us. Um, and so we do look at those types of conditions. And then um, really, once something is ready to go, um, the most important thing outside of pricing is the ports of departure and the ports of arrival and the intermodal mix of uh, modes of transportation that are going to be needed to service that shipment. Definitely. And you listed uh, how a couple of those conditionals have been affected with uh clearly the congestion now yeah. in regards to like um like their uh purchase orders is are you working with customers to be just more proactive in shipping in order to meet those deadlines how have you how do they make sure that that um contract is completed appropriately absolutely you know it it really falls back to um, there are certain things that are inside of our control, right? That are inside of the freight forwarder's control, that are inside the importer and exporter's control. Um, but then there's a lot that's not. So for instance, if a vessel's stuck outside the port of LA and it can't berth and that container can't get offloaded, you can't just climb into a rowboat and go out and get your container and hook <laughs> it up and bring it back in. Um, so it makes it really important that 
you are really making sure that both the, the, the consumer products company as well as their customer clearly understands the expectations, right? And so, you know, I, I simply will just do um, hours of my days spent in educating clients so that they can educate their clients on what's causing the delays, right? And, and what aspects go into it, where there's breakage of transparency in global supply chains. Um, for instance, a, a perfect example is we booked a shipment with a massive steamship line and you would expect that steamship line to have that transparency in their technology to say, hey, this ship is actually going to make a port stop or a port call on Los Angeles before it goes to Oakland. Well, guess what? If you go to that carrier's website, you can be confident that it will never show mm -hmm. that one port. So for instance, this particular shipment, it's sitting outside of the port of LA and it's now delayed a month to getting to Oakland. But if you went to the carrier's website, none of that data is transparent. And so then you have to traverse different, you know, we invest in, and we'll get to, to um, technology in a bit, Grace, but, you know, you have to find different tools to be able to really find that transparency for your client. Um, and then, you know, I think the other factors, you know, let's say that all the conditions are met, you know, we, we pack the container well, and it's fully utilized every cubic meter of that container. And the sale date happened when it was supposed to. And then all of a sudden, inevitably, there's massive delays outside of a U.S. Uh, West Coast port. And all the work that in, went into planning this great shipment seems futile because at that point, now you're having to deal with managing um, managing expectations that the container was going to arrive on time, right? Because we give an ETA like, mm -hmm. okay, it'll, it'll come February 15th. Well, then two weeks after it sails, all of a sudden that ETA has been updated to March 16th and there's no information given otherwise. So really freight forwarders are tasked with, a good freight forwarder is tasked with, let's find out what happened to that story so that we can at the very minimum explain it. Um, and so it really, really puts CPG companies and small, small and medium-sized firms even a step further behind in trying to progress their firms and grow these purchase orders into bigger purchase orders and long-term contracts. Um, with major retailers. So it, it's definitely the port congestion is probably the um, epitome of frustration right now. <laughs> well, I know not to frustrate you more, but I know that we've talked in the past about different freight tech uh, technologies that um, are trying to solve problems, but yeah. maybe not fully being transparent in, in areas that are continuing to be issues, especially ones you just mentioned. Um, do you see these investments starting to pay off? You know, we're seeing huge raises by these companies. Yeah. Um, are maybe some technologies uh, working better than others? And and what's your stance on this, uh, you know, since last time I, I spoke with you? Sure. You know, honestly, I will say some work better than others, right? And it's not so much about the incredible, you know, developing that's done behind the scenes. I'm talking more about the actual utilization by the global supply chain of that particular technology. And there's some that, you know, they are raising really incredible amounts of money, 
but they're missing the point on what the true problems are in the industry and how to solve them. And so, you know, I was just talking um, with someone else about, about this issue. And I said, a lot of the times, I wish that some of these technologies would be built with a freight forwarder and a BCO sitting side by side, the technical team, because man, you could really, you could really, if we figured out how to send, you know, men to the moon, we could absolutely figure out how to create more transparency and solve some of these global supply chain issues, but everybody has to be seated at the right table. Um, and, and so honestly, it depends on the solution. Um, for example, transparency is a huge, huge key right now. Um, I can tell you Global Gateway Logistics, we utilize our, our transportation management software, but even that doesn't, you know, that that's only somewhat of a, a data hub. We need something to go yeah. a level beyond that. Um, and so we work with a couple of different companies, tech companies that provide GPS locations of vessels. And it has been incredibly useful for our clients because we can send them an actual image of where that vessel's sitting and we can give them you know a history of all the port calls that not even the steamship lines websites can sometimes tell us um and then on top of it too i mean we really think outside of the box with solutions so we're working right now with a lot of really cool startups that are doing um some technology in actual like internet of things um, when it comes to tracking. So think of, you know, devices that can go inside of containers that can help tie it back to a GPS. And so, you know, with technology, there's still a lot of fragmentation. So there's a tool for terminal transparency and a tool for, um, you know, steamship line tracking of all your containers while they're on the water. But there's not, I have yet to see a comprehensive solution that can encompass either trans transparency, cost mitigation, um, booking. I've yet to see a, a fully comprehensive solution yet from the tech world. And I'm really hopeful that, you know, we can see a little bit more partnership with, with the participants in global supply chain to get to those solutions. Well, now you just got all the VC guys riled up and now they're going to try to figure out that solution. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I'd be happy to give them my thoughts of for sure. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, good. Put the pressure on them. That's what it should be doing anyways. Um, I know that you work with a lot of small and medium-sized businesses. Um, would you say that, um, you know, the, the struggles that maybe large companies are having are the same that SMBs are having are maybe worse right now? And for consumer packaged goods companies that are smaller, um, you know, are they even investing in technology or is it more of finding a partner that's doing it kind of someone like yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more that they, they do rely on the freight forwarder for that type of technology and solution. And I, I would argue that, you know, that's what a freight forwarder is supposed to do, right? We're supposed to take all of these aspects of global supply chain and simplify them for a customer. Um, we have a heart for small to medium sized firms because we started as one um, I saw how the market really tends to be super, um, they adhere a lot to large, large um, business and, and corporations, but small to medium sized firms almost never get that type of involvement and expertise and education. Um, and so, you know, what we're trying to do right now for, for um, small, medium sized firms and, and those as well in, in consumer goods 
is really just give them the support that they need. So we listen to them. They, if they say they need education, we'll hold seminars for their entire team and train their entire team on global logistics. Um, you know, if they say, hey, the cost, everyone, everyone's, you know, in the same boat when it comes to pricing, unfortunately, um, and everyone's seeing huge increases, but for small to medium-sized mm -hmm. firms, Grace, the impact is so much harder on them. And we've seen customers, you know, that have had to weather the spot market volatility over the past 18 months. And they've said, Caitlin, we simply cannot give a purchase order to this massive retailer because a lot of our margin is predicated on the freight cost remaining the same as what we um, indicate in the purchase order. And I can't tell you how many times it's come back on them where the spot market all of a sudden spikes because of peak season, because of COVID port closures, you name it. And then all of a sudden they're stuck with having to pay the overage. And essentially sometimes in many cases, that's their entire margin. And at that point they've passed through product to these retailers or sometimes at a loss, um, they'll do so just to keep that purchase order. And so, you know, what we try to do is manage expectations. And, and so what we, you know, um, what we predict this next year to be, honestly, I know this sounds a bit pessimistic, which I hate because I too would love to see some more positive movement. But unfortunately, I think the market the next year um, for global ocean freight, at least, it's going to remain challenging. Um, in terms of pricing, the solution of utilizing ocean contracts, it's unlikely. I mean, right now we're kind of entering into contract season and we've approached many carriers with a large pool of volume for Trans-Pacific eastbound and westbound. So think, you know, um, cargo coming from Asia to the U.S. No carriers want any anything to do with any new contracts because either they have total fulfillment already or, you know, as you can see, the spot market's at a premium right now. And if you're just looking at the simple yeah. economics for, for carriers, for asset-based carriers, they will make more profit, most likely, on the spot market than they would on contracting. So, you know, you can understand a little bit about where they're coming from, but at the same time, it really hits small to medium-sized businesses harder because they can't come up with uh, a tool or a forecast to say, okay, our freight cost is going to be $7,000 per 40-foot container for the next year. So now we can play with pricing of our commodity. We can play with, you know, sending different um, POs to different retailers. They're stuck in this box until the rates start to equalize a little bit more. Um, and honestly, when it comes to that, it's I am hopeful this year that the industry will start to get closer to um, a softening of the spot market so that rates aren't up in the 20,000 um, range anymore and that we're starting to see an yeah. equilibrium happen. I'm still hopeful that the rates can all, no matter where it's coming to in the United States, fall well under $10,000 a container. Um, but I'm hopeful that, you know, when we see that, that other factors in global supply chain really start to calm down right now, especially for those small and medium-sized firms, because, you know, they're, they really want to grow. They, they want to scale. They were the hardest hit with the pandemic. And they're really trying in some cases to recoup um, the damage that's been done, which is really hard right now in global ocean freight. Well, uh, you've just been a thrill to chat with. I love having these chats with you um, and having you be a, a, our guests on these shows. So 
full of great information and you do a really great job of showing not just what's happening with the big uh big retailers, right? But also a lot of these small, medium-sized companies that are really trying to grow and and scale their business, which is so hard to do in these times. So thank you so much for joining us again, Caitlin. I look forward to hopefully talking with you again in the future. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Grace. And thanks for all the work that Freight Waves continues to do to bring transparency, not only to our market, but to the public. Thanks. Appreciate it.